Hi, and welcome back to Will's No Trust. Episode two is entitled, Is It Still Fraud If No One Knows? We now offer you a front row seat to a three-ring circus of the macabre. As a quick recap, in episode one, we gave you a brief snapshot of what we're dealing with. A family torn apart by greed, deceit, forgery, and fraud committed by family members determined to hide and steal assets, assets that were left behind by their dear departed relatives. This week, we offer you a two-part episode. Part one will be an outline of the cast of characters, villains, and victims, the people who made this podcast possible. In part two, we'll deal with the aftermath of our first death and how the wheels of fraud first began turning. But first, each week we're starting off with a quote. This week's quote, short and sweet, is, Fraud is the daughter of greed. That was by Jonathan Gash. I really like that. Fraud is the daughter of greed. So let's get right to it. In part one, we'll introduce the various characters with a very brief description of their personal traits and how sometimes those traits were amplified by our first death. First off, we have the parents, James and Dorothy Fitzgerald. Both were born in the early 1930s at the height of the Depression. They valued hard work, determination, and savings and they fought their way along with so many of their peers for a slice of that pie we call the American dream. Ultimately, they were able to purchase a home in the beautiful coastal town of Bar Harbor, Maine, able to put five daughters through college and to build a healthy retirement along the way. But that, of course, is for another episode. Now, on to the daughters. First of all, there's the oldest, Faith Fitzgerald. She's competitive, smart, domineering, a leader in the family, or perhaps better described as a ringleader. Next is Willa, the second oldest. She's best described as smart, somewhat laid back, yet strong-willed, generous, and an accomplished artist. In many ways, she's the exact opposite of her older sister. Moving along, we have the middle daughter, Hope, a quiet manipulator, always preying on her family for sympathy. Easily led along by faith, she may be filled with as much, if not more, avarice than Faith herself. Next, we have Jacqueline, a quiet, smart, gentle soul with a heart of gold and a will of steel, strong-willed when she needs to be, and always compassionate. Along with Willa, we'll see her at her best in the face of what comes next. Finally, we have Charity, the youngest, best described as a self-absorbed, somewhat spoiled individual, lacking in any of the qualities one would associate with her name and she is the protege of Faith. Also key to our cast of characters is the great aunt and uncle, Vivian and Arthur Erickson, the aunt and uncle of Dorothy Fitzgerald. They were both happily married for over 50 years, and without children, they doted on their nieces. They were both successful, and they're best described as kind, decent people, generous and fun-loving. And so now we have our cast of characters, and they'll pop up from time to time throughout the course of this podcast series. Now it's on to part two, death of an uncle. Our story picks up in 2013, about five years after the death of great aunt Vivian. I can say here that her death was sad, but uneventful. And as is the law, her assets simply transferred over to great uncle Arthur. So this week's story picks up in 2013 with the death of Arthur, who had been living on his own in the home that he had shared with Vivian in Blue Hills, Maine. It's about 34 miles from Bar Harbor. Up to 2013, he was a frequent visitor to the Fitzgerald home, 
where he was treated with love and respect. This all came to an abrupt end in July 2013, when, after a very brief illness, Arthur passed away. And this is when our story really begins. It should be noted that Arthur was a devout Catholic, and his bride had been a Lutheran of somewhat questionable devotion. But they both agreed years before that their estate would be equally divided between Catholic and Lutheran charities. And that's how their will was set up, with the addition of a small monetary gift to Dorothy in the amount of $15,000. Additionally, there were specific gifts of mostly sentimental value to various nieces. Otherwise, the estate would be liquidated and divided among the charities. Only that's not what happened. And guess who the executor was? Faith Fitzgerald. Under her guidance, this is where our odd assortment of characters, Faith, Hope, and Charity, will emerge as the villains of our story, and their rapacious natures will ultimately be revealed. Rather than honoring the last will and testament of old Uncle Arthur, his death released a free-for-all, in which his wishes were scoffed at, scorned, and his directions for the allocation of his assets was driven off course, a situation which would only be discovered almost a decade later after the death of Dorothy. In reviewing her estate for more recent evidence of fraud, which will be the subject of a later episode, Willa and Jacqueline discovered the first clear-cut evidence of fraud, forgery, and outright larceny. Here's what actually happened, according to the estate records found in the probate court, filed by Faith. Dorothy did receive her $15,000. The house in Blue Hills, Maine was sold, and the proceeds from the sale were equally divided among charities as the will dictated. However, the remaining balance of assets, gathered over a lifetime, simply disappeared as though they had never existed. There is no accounting of these assets in probate court, and the only indication of any wealth was the $15,000 that was given to Dorothy. So, is it possible the assets never existed? Or did Faith or someone else simply bury them? I ask you, dear listener, what is the likelihood that at the time of Arthur's death, his only liquid and near-liquid assets totaled exactly $15,000? No more and no less. Well, this may help you figure things out. Ten years after Arthur's death, while now acting as the executor of her mother Dorothy's estate, Faith accidentally revealed to her sisters that Dorothy had received not $15,000, but $250,000 from Arthur's estate, money that was to have been added to the proceeds of the sale of the home and split between the two groups of charities. One can only assume that Faith must have forgotten that these were ill-gained assets stolen from the estate. This brings to mind Mark Twain's famous line, If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. But this is not where our story ends, not yet. Yes, there's more. Recall the will of great uncle Arthur left specific bequests of personal property, mostly of sentimental value and of limited monetary value. Although honestly, we don't know that because our inglorious executor faith refuses to turn the property over, despite being asked over and over again by her siblings. And now we arrive at the real point of our story. Deep in the records room at the probate court is the file containing the formal court filings that brought the probate estate of Arthur to a close. Included in those documents is a signed release confirming the receipt 
of the personal property left to Jacqueline by Arthur. This document contains Jacqueline's purported signature and the signature of your narrator as a witness. Yet I assure you, neither of us signed these documents. It's a simple, clear-cut forgery, fraudulently executed and hidden from sight. And who signed it? Who signed it for us? I'll let you figure that one out. And so here we are, halfway through our story, already seeing the blossomy of theft. Theft from two charities, and theft from a sibling. And I ask you, if someone's willing to forge signatures and file the same document in court with those forged signatures to gain access of property of little or no value, what would they do for assets of real value? To find out, tune in next week for our podcast entitled, No, No, Really, Dad, Just Sign This Form, Here, Here, and Here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it and add a comment. Let me know if you've had a similar experience. In the meantime, I look forward to connecting with you next week for Episode 3. And have a great week.